Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Jay Shabat to discuss two of the most profitable airlines in the world, Turkish and Ryanair. Please enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? I'm good, Ned. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We're uh, we're here. Earnings season is dying down, but but we're here to talk about two of the most profitable major airlines in the world in the third quarter. Uh, first being Turkish, Jay. Yes. So uh, Turkish Airlines had an absolutely phenomenal third quarter. Really was spectacular in just pretty much every way you look at it. They had a um, let's see here, a 23% operating margin. Now they tend to, they're one of these airlines that tend to kind of, you know, punch above their their weight during the third quarter. They do very well in the summer when a lot of, you know, t- tourists come into Turkey. Uh, but that's 23% is still pretty good. And it's uh, better than the 16% that it managed in the third quarter of 2019. So this is an airline that's doing better now than it was before the pandemic. And this is perhaps most impressive. It's a lot bigger now than it was before. So it's grown wow. um, just, yeah, by a tremendous amount. Very, just an impressive story all the way around. That, that's also, I mean, equally impressive. I think about, you know, the aircraft supply chain issues and everything we're seeing now that Turkish has just been able to, to grow through this. And I mean, 737 Maxes, which they operate, weren't being delivered for, you know, until, you know, late really 2021, early 2021, like so many reasons. It's just impressive that they're bigger now, pandemic aside. It is impressive. Yeah. In fact, uh, just in ASK terms, um, which is, you know, measure of capacity, uh, 16% up Q3 this time versus Q3 2019. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a lot. And and recall that they, uh, they just went through, you know, more than a decade of extremely rapid growth. So they've just they've just turned into this Goliath. I mean, they I think they serve more countries now than any other airline in the world, and Istanbul has just become this you know phenomenal hub, uh, and it's um yeah it's, it's it's really impressive, and there are a couple of things uh, you know I mentioned how um, you know growth uh, in itself can be very helpful to an airline success because it helps you lower your unit costs right. uh, just economies of scale, and their unit costs now excluding fuel. Uh, substantially less now than again it was three years ago, and that's you don't see that a lot in the when you look around the airline industry these days. Most airlines have much higher non-fuel unit costs. Not Turkish. Right. Wow. No, there really is a good story because, like you know, we've talked about here the the cost pressures so many airlines are under as they've come out of the out of the pandemic. Was there anything in Turkish's results that jumped out at you? Were they seeing any particularly strong regions or was cargo a leader or, or you know, did anything or was it just great overall? Yes, I want to say a few things about that. So cargo, you um you mentioned one right there, which was very, very strong. Cargo is uh what is it, 16% of the revenues or something like that. It's 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 substantial now. They've grown that a lot um along with the passenger side. Uh, another couple of things that that help explain why they're doing so well. This is some of this stuff is very interesting. So for one, Istanbul was um, and Turkish Airlines for that matter were much uh, more operationally sound than what you saw in Western Europe. So if you look at on-time performance rates in a place like Paris or Amsterdam versus Istanbul, Istanbul is much better. Mm-hmm. And so you had a lot of people that presumably were deciding, okay. I need to connect to wherever I'm going to, you know, Singapore from Europe. I'd rather connect in Istanbul 
than in Paris because it's going to, you know, less of a chance that my flight's going to get messed up. So I think they benefited a lot from that. They did not. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? And they did not lay off anybody during, um, I, I think they were talking about it. Maybe they they were just talking about pilots. I have to double check that. But in any case, they, unlike some of these other airlines that, you know, laid off a lot of people during the pandemic and then suddenly had a scramble to meet the demand resurgence, they didn't have to deal with that. They had their their people ready to go. So that was another, you know, count count that also as as an as important driver of their success. Uh, tourism into Turkey was fantastic this summer. Uh, also very interesting. The European carriers, um, the, particularly the Western European carriers, mostly we're talking about here, they could no longer serve Russian passengers. Um, they uh, because of sanctions. Right. Now, the Turkish still did. So a lot of Russian travelers uh, went on vacation to Turkey instead of going to you know Europe, and a lot connected through Istanbul instead of connecting through you know you name it Frankfurt, London, Paris. Uh, so that was helpful as well. Um, and there, there are some other reasons, too, you could read about. We're going to run a feature story in the, uh, the Airline Weekly this week. So you could read it. There are a few more things that are worth noting. But I think that that, you know, kind of kind of gives you an idea of why they're doing so well. That's really interesting. And, you know, the other thing that you talked about the airport and, and the other thing is, is, is Turkish got a new, I mean, Istanbul got a new airport in, what, late 2019. So, you know, they've been able to, I, I would I believe that Turkish has really been able to benefit from having a new, you know, purpose-built facility designed for a hub that I would, you know, generally would would benefit their hub is is my guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that's certainly helpful. That they have, a, you know, that was always a an issue for them before that they, uh, you know, that they they just didn't have enough airport capacity at the old facility. Um, there's actually another airport in Istanbul which is which is pretty busy and and Turkish operates. From there as well, they have something called Anadolu Jet. It's their low-cost carrier. Uh, Bloomberg actually reported that they're going to separate that into uh, its own company. So, you know, perhaps they'll do an IPO. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they could spin that off. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. But then that's that's growing fast too. So it's, uh, you know, I <laughs> hope I'm not sounding too over-enthusiastic <laughs> here. But uh, but I, I kind of say, you know, Emirates and the Gulf carriers, I think that was a little bit of yesterday's story. I think I think Turkish is uh, coming out of uh, you know coming out of this pandemic with all guns blazing, and it's it's really perhaps you know the the, the interest the most interesting airline to watch because it's just growing so fast and you know doing so many interesting things in terms of uh, you know capturing traffic flows from really everywhere to everywhere it seems like um, they even say that they're going to uh, finally touchdown in Australia. So Sydney was always a market that the Gulf carriers could do, but Istanbul, from Istanbul is a little bit harder because it was, you know, it was, it was just that much further and the economics didn't really work that well, but they seem ready to do that as well. Um, and they're just growing like gangbusters to the Americas. They're about to add Detroit. They're going to add Denver. They're going to get Orlando. They recently had Newark and Vancouver and <laughs> their Rio de Janeiro is coming online. So the Americas is just Big, big expansion. Oh my gosh. Did they say anything about the uh, the supply chain issues we've heard from so many other airlines that are going to limit their growth in 2023, just sort of being able to get aircraft and stuff, or did they not really detail that? No, they absolutely talked about that, and they said that's going to benefit themselves as well. I mean, they're yeah, to a certain <laughs> extent, they're going to, you know, they're going to feel that, but they look over to their competitors in Western Europe, you know, think of tons of Air France KLM. And capacity is just very depressed there. If you look, I was actually surprised to see this because during the summer, 
they started creeping up and demand was, you know, excellent, excellent in Western Europe. But um, if you look at like fourth quarter capacity, I want to say Lufthansa is down about 20% from 2019 levels. So it's, it's, it's still very constrained. Some of that is just, you know, them being conservative. Some of it is actually the supply chain issues that you're referring to, Ned. Um, but Turkish looks at that and say, hey, you know, if you guys are down 20% and we're up 20% or whatever we are, we're going to we're going to steal some share here. Um, and obviously, they're, you know, whatever they're carrying, they're making a lot of money off of. So they uh, they feel bullish about that. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like it is. Would you think it's safe to say to call Turkish? I mean, really, the third Gulf carrier at this point, it's sort of the dynamic seems to be Emirates, Qatar Airways and Turkish now in terms of sort of large global super connectors. Is that is that a. a a uh, connection too far for uh, for their growth. No, I mean, I think that's fair. And, and I always kind of like to put them in sort of, you know, you don't want to go too far with these comparisons, but they are kind of, you know, I like to call all those sort of the, the ones that you name there, the Emirates, the Qatars, uh, and Turkish. They, I, I like to call them the everywhere to everywhere carriers. You know, they're just, right. they have, <laughs> their, hubs are, their hubs are so central that they can really, you know, just pick up so many different different traffic flows. So now a couple of important distinctions, though. Now, Turkish, unlike Qatar and um, especially Emirates, Turkish is a predominantly narrow body airline. So I have the percentage here. Well, I always um, remember like that was one of the big benefits Turkish had going into Europe because they could fly 737s or A320s to pretty much anywhere in Western Europe that they want. Which based, which let them go into a lot more markets than Emirates or Qatar because they almost always had to fly wide bodies. Correct. You can do a lot more with narrow bodies, and it's less risk. They're less expensive, um, and just the you know let the record show that uh, you know narrow body operations historically have just been much more profitable than wide body operations, and you know there are exceptions here and there. But if you look at the most profitable airlines in the world. You know, you, you tend to think of the Ryanairs and the Copas and the Southwest and the Spirit Airlines. I mean, these were these are we're talking about narrow body carriers here. You, there's not too many, you know, wide bodies that are wide body predominant airlines that are in the same boat. Um, and Turkish Airlines, you know, kind of same thing. Here they are, um, you know, just doing doing fantastically well. And, and a lot of that is, you know, explained by the fact that they they're able to fly so many wide bodies. And like you said, you know, that just offers a lot more versatility. To, to go into all these, you know, secondary markets that not even Emirates can touch, you know, with their giant airplanes. Um, and they can, you know, from Istanbul, the geography is so good that you can fly narrow bodies like down into Africa. They even have planes, or at least they one time did. I don't know if they still do. But Turkish, they used to put extra fuel tanks in their 737s so that they can go down to, you know, for, they can kind of reach deeper and further into Africa um, where the yields, you know, very high. They'll hit these like oil markets like, you know, Angola or whatever. And um, they, you know, you can do that with with a narrow body uh, from Istanbul. So um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of versatility there. Yeah, the Turkish is quite a fascinating story. And they're going to be an interesting airline that we're going to be watching closely next year, for yep. sure, as they continue this growth. And, and as many of our listeners probably know, the IATA AGM next in 2023 is in Istanbul. So you know, we'll hopefully be over there, you know, on the ground, seeing, checking out Turkish and seeing what's happening. With that, Jay, let's take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about the other, uh, one of the other most profitable airlines in the world. (music) 
Welcome back. Um, I want to first, before we, we, we begin our discussion again, invite our listeners to come to the Skift Aviation Forum, which will be held in person in Dallas, Texas on no, Wednesday, November 16th. Uh, please feel free to sign up. You can visit airlineweekly.com for more details or go to skift.com. Either way, we hope to see you there. Now, Jay, let's talk about the, uh, the world's, one of the world's other most profitable airlines, and that would be Ryanair. Yeah, Ryanair. And I hope I didn't sound too much like a you know fanboy of Turkish Airlines. I, I was uh, very got got a little bit enthusiastic there, but um, I could <laughs> I could be just as enthusiastic about Ryanair because they are uh, and I don't think this will any surprise anyone. Um, they just have the uh, probably the most defensible, strongest you know pick your adjective business model of any airline in the world. Uh, they had another just incredibly good quarter. And uh, this summer, 35% operating margin. No one else in the world that's reported so far has come even close to that. Um, again, you know, you got that European seasonal thing. The European airlines tend to uh, do, you know, tend to have very high margins in summer, but not that high. And they do, Ryanair did say that they probably will lose money in the winter, which wouldn't be the first time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just it's, they're not going to, they're not going to give back all of what they made this summer and spring. No, it's really interesting how we talk about their great summer, and then you know we both listen to to the call where Michael O'Leary, the group CEO at Ryanair, is decidedly cautious about the winter, which was probably he was probably gave the most cautious comments of any of the major airline CEOs, and you know we said there's just a lot of unknowns, and and he pointed he referred back to Omicron this past winter and the Ukraine invasion, and he's like both of those hit our our winter 2021 2022 quite hard, so it's it's and I'd like to note, you know, I, I spoke to O'Leary in April uh, ahead of the summer, and he was cautious about the summer as well. It's funny because I don't think of O'Leary as a cautious uh, manager, but, you know, he summer turned out to be really good and he's cautious, really cautious to go about winter again. So I'm wondering if, if maybe his caution might be a little too much, uh, too, too cautious. But at the same time, you know, there's there's different headwinds than we saw going into the summer. So it's hard to say. Yeah, I I may be misremembering, but but I but I do um I do recall O'Leary tending to be rather overly bearish, but maybe more, more during these calls. He's always like, "Oh yeah, fares are going to be terrible this uh, you know, this winter and this." Uh, he is kind of that way, and I don't I don't know if that's just his, his nature or he's trying to prepare for the worst or whatever, but uh he's bearish really, but brash when it comes to seeing comments about his competitors, that's for sure. He never holds back. I think everybody can agree that he's brash. <laughs> There's no no ambiguity there. Yeah, in fact, I don't believe I could be wrong, but I don't believe he used any profanity in in this quarter's call, which would <laughs> I be don't a- remember anything and anything else. I uh, anything either, but uh, that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Uh, but speaking, I mean, to his, his view, he said that Ryanair was surprised by demand in September and then surprised again in October and surprised again in November. So it's just like, if you keep being surprised, maybe it's time to move your estimates up just a little bit. I'm not saying over promise, but it's <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise starts to be a trend at some point. Yeah, and I think the larger point is they're gonna they're gonna just do great. Like everybody knows, you know, maybe they will lose a little money in the winter, but whatever, they're gonna do great at the end of the day. Right. And he um, made the good point that if people are are pulling back on travel spending, a lot of people still want to go somewhere. What they're gonna do is they're gonna pull back from maybe buying a more expensive ticket on a network carrier and buy a ticket on Ryanair. So <laughs> there's a lot of wins here for the airline, potential wins at least. 
Yeah, and there's all these airports that are going to give them good deals now because they're you know they're start they want more traffic and other carriers are you know cutting their capacity. So and and what's um what's unique about Ryanair because if you look at uh, so Wizz Air is kind of the other sort of ultra low cost carrier of Europe that more or less copied their business model and did very well with it. I mean they're it's, it's you know they have a very strong financial record um, record of profitability. Um, but they are having kind of a rough time right now, just operationally very bad. And they, you know, very much more exposed to the fuel prices and the strong dollar than Ryanair's. Ryanair's just really well hedged. And um, it preserved a lot of its employees. We talked about how Turkish kind of did that too. Preserved a lot of their staff so that they were ready to go. Um, so they didn't, you know, face as many disruptions as Wizz Air. Um, they're really setting themselves apart. They're doing much better than EasyJet as well. And I think EasyJet is going to report their half-year results later this month. So we'll get a better idea. And that's, you know, EasyJet's kind of a different business model, different discussion, but, um, you know, obviously some overlap. But uh, but Ryanair is, yeah, I mean, it's, we could have said this 10 years ago, five years ago, we can say it today. They're in a league league of their own. You know, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, speaking of being a league of their own, you know, O'Leary hasn't been shy about saying he expects further consolidation in Europe, something he repeated in his comments uh, this week. You know, and he said he sees in a market that shapes up more looking a lot like the U.S. with sort of three big network carriers, IAG, Air France, KLM, Lufthansa Group, and then one large budget group, which he was like, would, of course, be Ryanair. So he was not hesitant about arguing for Ryanair's competitive uh, competitive position. But it will be interesting to see how that does shake out because, you know, he called EasyJet and Wiz takeover targets. And while EasyJet, we know, has been subject to several takeover offers or at least discussions, um, Wiz was not one that uh, has been on my you know, radar as being a potential takeover target, especially with Indigo backing them and everything. But maybe they are. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's that's you know a little bit of bluster. Ryanair's, you know, they always like to speak ill of their competitors, and this one's going to get bought, and this one's going to collapse, and this one's going to right. Cut, cut. So we, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't put too much uh, faith in any, you know, that that there's any detailed, uh, you know, knowledge there. But, um, but 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 consolidation for sure is kind of is very much a theme right now in Europe, and we talked about that a little bit in last week's podcast with. Tap Portugal and and some of the others. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think O'Leary had, does does have a legitimate point there. No, absolutely, absolutely. There's there's definitely gonna be, there's definitely some consolidation coming in Europe. You know how it will shape up and is you know remains to be seen. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, and and don't don't um, forget about. I mean, maybe we can just kind of merge our our two conversations here. Don't uh, put Turkish Airlines out of the picture. They in their call said. They're interested in doing more joint ventures. Um, they kind of want more partners. Uh, they were like going back, I don't know if it was 10 years ago, or whatever. There were rumors that they were talking to Lufthansa about, you know, have close partnership, maybe even a merger. So they could be involved in something. They obviously have, you know, kind of the financial firepower now to do something. And uh, hmm. some of these airline stocks are, are pretty depressed. So you know, maybe something like that. Obviously, anytime you're talking about, uh, you know, let alone within Europe, but when you're talking about, you know, Turkey being outside of the European Union, any kind of merger gets, you start to step on foreign, you know, ownership rule landmines and things. So it's, you know, nothing like that would be easy, but, but, you know, just something to keep an eye on. They're definitely looking for, for partners. 
No, definitely, definitely. It will be interesting to, interesting to watch, that's for sure, that's for sure. All right, Jay, well, that brings us to the end of another Airline Weekly Lounge. Listeners, if you want to reach myself, you can do so at er at skiff.com. You can reach Jay at js at skiff.com. Jay, always a pleasure. Thanks, Ned, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.